It is time for a new episode of the Highmark Coaches Show. After a brief hiatus alongside Penn's head coach, Mike Sullivan, I'm Josh Getzoff. Uh, coach, I'm sure you've been counting down the days to get this show back on the air. It's great to be back with you. Thanks, Josh. It's always my pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, I enjoy it, and uh, a belated happy birthday to you. I know it was celebrated with a victory, but always nice to, to check a yet another year off on the calendar, I assume. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's uh, you, you, can't, you can't keep any secrets in today's game anymore with social media and uh, it's, it seems like uh, everybody knows when your birthday is, but it, it was uh, it was a nice birthday getting a win against Columbus, uh, obviously, and uh, in, in a terrific way, which uh, was really pleased with how the team played. So uh, it was a it was a nice reward. That's for sure. You strike me as a guy that's not looking for anything special, particularly on your birthday. So I would assume a win kind of ranks up there as far as uh, best birthday gifts you could get. It sure was. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, as you know, it's hard to win in this league, regardless of who your opponent is, and and that was that was a hard-fought win we had there in Columbus, and uh, for me, that was the best way to tip off a nice birthday. That win over Columbus for you guys was the second in a row, a, a weekend back-to-back, two Metro games, obviously the showdown against the Rangers on Saturday that you won one nothing, and then the victory against Columbus to come back and win that game in the third period. When you look back at those two games and then kind of, I guess, graded against the previous three that were losses in regulation for your team, is there anything that jumps out to you looking back at the film, maybe from the approach, the execution, the mindset uh, that really were the difference between the Penguins in those two games and the previous three? All of the above. Yeah. I, I just think that's where it starts. You know, I, I'm a strong believer that – uh, your mindset going going into games, your attitude going into games goes a long way to set you up for uh, success. And uh, I, I just thought we went in to those games with the right mindset, that being making sure that, that we're hard to play against. We manage the puck well, uh, we defend, uh, and, and we create offense through our defense. And I, and I think when uh, when we go into games with that mindset as opposed to thinking well, we're just going to go in and outscore teams, uh, I think we're a different team, and and we were a lot harder to play against. That's not to say that there weren't some quality chances. Uh, it's it's hard to defend against all of those, but by the nature of the way that the modern game is being played. Yeah. But but I thought uh, in the in the games that we had lost leading up to that, in so many instances we beat ourselves, and uh, in these two wins, I I thought we cut down on a lot of those those egregious uh, decisions or errors that that are really hard to recover from. And, uh, and as a result, I just think we put ourselves in a better position to win. I know you and I have talked about this at length, and I've asked you about it in media availabilities before, about particular games and stretches of games, and you're very quick to always say that you're focused on the game in front of you. But I did want to ask about two of the previous games in the not-too-distant past, the, obviously the Ranger game on Saturday, the week before you guys played the Carolina Hurricanes. They were two teams you hadn't seen yet, two teams obviously right with you guys at the top of the Metro. What did you learn, if anything, about your team in those two games? I know two different kinds of games, and Marcus Pedersen talked earlier Tuesday about not the way you guys wanted to play at all against Carolina. But um, when you look at those two matchups and what you saw head-to-head, what did you learn? Well, I learned that when, when we play the game the right way, that, uh, that, that we're every bit as competitive and every bit as good as those teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we just have to make sure that uh, we bring a collective effort uh, you know, for 60 minutes, and and when we do that, I think, uh, I think we're as competitive a team as there is in the league, and and that that for me is the, is the takeaway. That's the positive takeaway. You know, when you look at that Carolina game, and and I'll go back to just beating ourselves in certain instances. Uh, you know, 
we didn't make them have to work as hard for some of the, the quality looks that they got, and they were able to convert on some. And, uh, you know, when, when, you, uh, when you hold that game up against uh, the, the New York Rangers game, I thought we forced the Rangers to have to work extremely hard for s- some of the looks that they got. And, and when we do that, we cut down on not only the, the, quali- the quantity of the, the chances we give up, but also the quality of the chances we give up. And, and I think it's reflective in the score. And so uh, that, that for me is an important takeaway uh, just from our standpoint. But when you look at those teams, and we were excited to play those teams because they're two of the better teams in the league, and uh, and and we know that uh, we know that we're going to be battling these teams down the stretch. Uh, you know, I, I think we learned a lot about ourselves. We learned a lot about our opponents. Three more against the Rangers, two more against the Hurricanes. Penguins rolling into March as we continue our conversation with head coach Mike Sullivan next on the Highmark Coaches Show. This is the Highmark Coaches Show, and coach a big win over Columbus Sunday. Sidney Crosby scores the game winner late in regulation. We know how his season started. Obviously, he had the, the wrist surgery. He had COVID. Bit of a slow way to get yourself back into game speed, missed training camp, everything that comes with preparation for a long season. But we kind of also know what it's become. He's got 48 points in his last 36. Um, how have you seen him kind of turn it on here? And I know a lot of people talked about warming to the task and finding his rhythm and everything. But clearly, there is a different version of Sidney Crosby as far as the level that he's playing at right now than we saw in, say, late October, early November. I just think it's so hard when, when a player misses training camp and is coming off uh, a long-term injury like Sid was coming off. Gino at the same, sure. is, it, you know, had, had the same challenge this year. When you miss training camp uh, and you miss as much time as, as Sid has missed at the beginning of the year, you know, you're jumping on a moving train, and, and that train's not going slow. Right. And so regardless of, of where your talent level is, that's an adjustment process for every player. And I think it's unfair to think that players are going to jump in the lineup and just hit their capture their very best game right away. You know, there's there's so much that 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 goes into uh, a player like Sid and and the and the and the high level of play that w- that we all grow to expect from him. And and without the the training camp uh, preparation process and exhibition games to give him an opportunity to get repetitions and get his timing and. And uh, and just the the sense of the game intensity, uh, it's it's really difficult, you know, when a player comes back in the lineup. So, it does it didn't surprise me that that Sid went through a little bit of a, a of a process at the beginning in order to capture his very best game. It's difficult because our expectations are so high. Right. We want him to jump back in the lineup and and be a you know a point and a half plus player, and 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 that's just a, that's a tall task for anyone. Yeah, and obviously he's turned it on in a big way, as I mentioned, and he's continuing to write himself into the the record books as well, Coach, since you and I last spoke, the 500th goal against Philadelphia in the middle of February. The goal against the Columbus Blue Jackets was his 1,375th point, which moved him past Mike Madano for 25th all-time in NHL history. Uh, We know there's a lot more still to be written with Sidney Crosby, but I see you shake your head as I say that. I mean, it's been an incredible run to this point but to just be able to kind of put those two things in perspective with where he's at right now just a couple more Im- unbelievable achievements for the captain it sure is you know I, I thought the 500th goal uh, you know for me was one of the uh, one of the more special moments that that I've had the privilege to uh, to witness and be a part of uh, in watching that uh, unfold with uh, with Sid uh, I, I just thought that was a great moment for 
for Sid in particular, but also Pittsburgh Penguins hockey and right. Pittsburgh Penguins fans. And the building was electric uh, that night. And uh, the raw emotion just with the players going over the boards to celebrate that that 500th goal for me was something special. You know, the, that's elite company. There aren't a lot of players that in in the history of the game that that have scored 500 goals. So so he's in he's in pretty elite company when when he achieved that milestone. The most recent one now, it, it just seems like you know the with each uh, passing game, there's just one more milestone right. that that's knocking on the door that that he's uh, that he's accomplishing. So for me, it's it's been one of the great honors of being his coach in the in the time that that I've been here with him. Uh, but that 500th goal for me was something special. A special moment. Only the 46th player in NHL history to hit 500 career goals, to your point about being pretty elusive company. And he's also a part of that power play, which has been pretty special to watch lately as well, hitting it about 21% on the season, which is a significant uptick from where they were a few months back. Uh, but it also seems like as much as they moved up the rankings, there's been literal movement on this power play a lot more recently, Coach. And I noticed that... More so in the two goals that Evgeny Malkin scored in the last couple games on the power play. I mean, he had the tap-in after the pretty passing play from Brian Rust in the Columbus game, a little bit different of a goal against the uh, New York Rangers, I believe, on opposite sides of the ice as well. Uh, how much has that become an emphasis to maybe – we know the team can move the puck around. We've seen them do that on that top power play unit, but also to have the movement with the players as well. Well, the movement's a big part of, I think, the deception that that group uh, – you know, it, it – that, that that group has that that gives them a competitive advantage i you know that they're they're at their best when they're instinctive and uh i i think todd has done a terrific job in giving them a game plan uh, where they can be predictable for one another but still allows for uh the latitude of uh, of instinctive play and and that's when those guys are at their very best right and, uh you know the goal in columbus for me was was a, a typical example of that you know You'd like to think that, that we drew that one up, Josh, but uh, that's just great players making great plays. And, yeah. and, and a lot of it starts off the movement and the, the instinctive play. So these guys have done a terrific job uh, just as far as the work that they put in. They're all buying in. They're doing a lot of the little things like puck retrievals and, and, and getting to the net and things of that nature. But, but the movement it, for me is, is the most important aspect of what they do and uh, and and when when there's not only movement of the puck but movement of people and the interchange of positions, that that's what makes it so hard to defend against because it forces an awful lot of decision making on behalf of the penalty killers and usually opportunity presents itself and those guys are just so good they see it and they're able to take advantage of it. Penguins have had a lot of success in the power play. Four straight games with a goal on the man advantage as they get ready for a big back-to-back -back beginning tomorrow night in Tampa Bay. But I wanted to pivot from some of the positives as far as the goal scoring to something that maybe it's fallen a little bit more under the microscope here lately, and that's just the team's scoring at five-on-five. Five. Over your last six games, you guys have seven goals. Um, I think when you're winning – People aren't always talking about it, but I'm sure you guys are real uh, realizing of it as far as a part of your game. How much concern do you have? How much are you guys zeroed in on that? Is it something you're even concerned or zeroed in on right now? Well, I don't want to say that we're not concerned about it because it's real, right? And uh, and and certainly we're not oblivious to that. But really, at the end of the day, all you can control is the process, right? It's uh, are we getting the looks? Are we getting the opportunities? You know, what types of chances are we getting? Uh, are we getting the quantity and the quality of the looks that that give us the opportunity to score goals? And when we look at that stretch of games, 
you know, we feel as though, as a coaching staff, that we're getting a lot of quality looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the puck hasn't gone in the net as often as it was, in, in, you know, in, in for, for ver- much of the this whole season. Right. Uh, and, and so it, if we weren't getting the looks or we weren't getting the opportunities, that's a different conversation. And and that's when we, we'd have to drill down into, you know, execution and decision making and and are there tactical things that we can do differently that give our guys a better opportunity to be successful but right. it hasn't been the case in in, in our estimation there, there's been a number of quality looks that we're getting each and every night um, the puck just hasn't gone in the net five on five so right. we believe it's not sustainable at some point when you get in the types of looks and the the amount of looks that that we're getting that uh that some of these pucks are going to go in the net. I just we're just trying to keep our players uh, believing and in, in making sure that uh, that that our confidence as a group uh, doesn't get get to the point where we're fragile. We we just need to keep believing. We need a, a certain level of resilience with respect to that, and and we need to keep defending hard and making sure that uh, that we're making it hard for our opponents to score goals as well. And we, if we can keep scores down. Then, then I think that it's going to give us a chance to win as well. So, and, and we can work through this this dry spell that we've gone through over the last little while. We'll hope for a breakthrough on that front as the Penguins get ready for some big games ahead. Tampa Bay tomorrow, Carolina on Friday, and plenty more conversation on tap when we return. It's the Highmark Coaches Show. We're back at it here on the Highmark Coaches Show. Head coach Mike Sullivan with us again. And coach uh, Teddy Bluger has been back on the ice with the Penguins better part of the last week or so, I guess. But uh, has had the bubble, working his way back from the broken jaw. Looked like there was a bit of a jersey switch in practice earlier this week. Uh, What can you say about his status? And I'm not looking for a timeline here, but maybe just the progression of him to getting back into the Penguins lineup. So Teddy, Teddy is now participating full contact in the practices. Today was the first day that uh, that he's done that. So okay. uh, that's the final stage before he returns to play. So we're real excited about uh, about where he's at right now. I think he's worked extremely hard to keep himself in in the best possible shape. Uh, he's he's worked behind the scenes with Ty Hannes on the ice and with our strength and conditioning guys off the ice. So he looks really good. Uh, and and now the, the last step is just getting him into some full contact practices and before uh, before we, we put him back in the lineup. So the fact that he's participating at in, in this capacity uh, is real encouraging. I find it – I'm not trying to make the comparison here, but I know when Chris Letang missed time, you were asked about how do you replace a Chris Letang, and you say you can't do it player for player. And you look at Teddy Bluger, and maybe it's one of those things of, at least from the outside perspective, when he's out of the lineup, you realize how much you're missing without him in there and how much he brings – uh, what are your What are your thoughts on that front? Just as far as what you've been missing without him, and how do you think you guys have done trying to replace what you lost without him in the lineup? So Teddy's an important player for us. You know, he he brings a he he brings us or or plays a certain role for our team that that's critical in helping us win games. Yeah. He takes a lot of defensive zone starts. He plays against a lot of team a lot of the other, our opponents' best players right. when he gets those D zone starts and. Uh, his line usually ends up in the offensive zone off of those D zone starts, and when they lose the faceoff, they're really good at defending, and Teddy's a big part of that. Right. Uh, he does the same thing for us on the penalty kill. I think we've we've really missed Teddy on the penalty kill. Uh, he's he's really developed into a, an elite penalty killer. He's he has good recognition and awareness skills away from the puck. He he cuts down passing diagonals and and anticipates uh, where where the puck is is going to go and. And he's very good at closing down windows of opportunity, and so uh, we've we've missed him, I think, a lot on the penalty kill. So, 
Uh, he's not an easy guy to replace. He brings a certain or, or plays a certain role for this team that's essential uh, in order for us to play the game that we want to play. Uh, we're, we're certainly looking forward to him coming back in the lineup. That's a guy we're counting down the days to his return. Uh, Jason Zucker, another one, although probably not nearly as close as Teddy is based on the fact that we haven't seen him on the ice. But is there any update on his status coming his way, working his way back from that injury? So Zuck's making progress. He hasn't he hasn't got on the ice yet. Uh, that's obviously the next step. But, right. but he's still uh, making progress off the ice with some of his rehab uh, with our strength and conditioning guys and with our rehab guys. Uh, but I, I, I would anticipate uh, him getting on the ice fairly soon, okay. um, which which will be an important step uh, that, that that suggests that he's just that that much closer. So, right. uh, but he is making progress. Uh, he's not as close as Teddy is, but uh, uh, but I but I wouldn't anticipate him be far behind. Okay. Uh, and I know that you guys have obviously been so focused on what's going on here in Pittsburgh for good reason, but I'm sure you take a glance every now and then or get an update from down in Wilkes-Barre with what's been going on with the Baby Pens, and they had a pretty successful weekend this past weekend, picking up uh, some key points in their divisional and playoff races as well. Uh, Drew O'Connor, who's down there now, had a, a pretty big hand in that. I think I saw six points and four goals in five games for Wilkes-Barre since going back down there, rehabbing his way back from that upper body injury. I know just in the grand scheme of a healthy Penguins roster, the cap comes into play when Drew O'Connor is a part of it. Um, but what do you think he needs to do to maybe cement himself back into an NHL lineup? And cement might be the wrong word, to try to position himself to get back into an NHL lineup. Well, I think Drew has done a really good job all year long in positioning himself to make this roster. Yeah. He, he's, uh, he's in the conversation each and every, each and every day uh, when we're putting lineups together. You know, coming off the injury that he's coming off, he has he hadn't played in quite some time. Uh, we felt as though it it would serve him well if he got some games at the American League level, and that was one of the motivations to uh, to send him to Wilkesbury uh, to get him those games. But but he is he has already positioned himself uh, to be a regular in this lineup, regardless of of uh, what the health of this lineup looks like. He's a he's a big, strong kid. He can really skate. Uh, I think he challenges our opponents uh, with wide speed. He's good on the forecheck. Uh, he's got a long reach, uh, and and he has he's shown some finishing ability. Mm -hmm. And so he's a guy that I think we could we could move around the lineup, uh, depending on what our needs are. He's shown an ability to be able to play center as well as wing. Right. Uh, and and so the 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 only the only uh, I think next development for Drew that I that I think will be really important for him is just to get him involved in the penalty kill because I think he has the makings of being a very good penalty killer with that long reach, his size, his mobility, uh, and, and he has good hockey sense, and, and he has aptitude for the game. Uh, when, when the coaching staff sits with him and we go through film with him, uh, he picks up the, the subtleties extremely well. And so you know, our, our game plan is to get him involved with the penalty kill moving forward. I think that's going to be an important aspect as well. But but to answer your question, he, he's already positioned himself to make this roster. He's an intriguing piece of the present and the future for the Penguins. And as you mentioned, trying to get back into that Penguins lineup. Uh, one guy who did get back into the Penguins lineup recently was Mark Friedman. And it was kind of an interesting story for Friedman just because the Penguins blue line had been healthy. And he had been a healthy scratch as a result. It wasn't anything necessarily performance-wise. 19 straight games that he was a scratch. But he comes back in, Coach, in a pair of big games uh, against the New York Rangers, against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And it seemed like for all concerned, as far as when they were asked about Mark Friedman, players and coaches alike, uh, 
people were pretty impressed with what he brought to the table. What were your thoughts on the, the first couple games back for Friedman? I thought Freed's played extremely well. Yeah. You know, he's a real mobile guy. He skates well. Uh, you, you can see his mobility and how he's able to utilize it on both sides of the puck. Definitely. He was active in the offense, off the offensive blue line. He gets up in the rush pretty well and helps us present a four-man attack uh, off the rush. Uh, and he uses his mobility to defend. You know, he defends well. He's got a good stick. Uh, he's a competitive guy. You know, he's got a, he's he's got an uncanny ability to get under our opponent's skin. Uh, he's a real competitive guy, and uh, and I, and I think his his first couple of games back after not having played in a while, right. uh, he he played extremely well, and that's a credit to him uh, because he's worked he's worked really hard behind the scenes to keep himself ready. An intriguing guy for sure, and obviously played a role in the Penguins' victories over the weekend as the team gets set for a massive back-to-back -back ahead. Begins tomorrow night in Tampa Bay. We will discuss some of that next as we wind this thing down. It's the Highmark Coaches Show here on the Penguins Radio Network. We're back on the Highmark Coaches Show, and Coach, uh, I'd be remiss on the Coaches Show if I didn't ask about a coach. So let's ask about one of your assistants, Todd Reardon, on the mend after knee surgery. We haven't seen him around the rink. I know he's been working remotely. Any uh, update as far as a potential uh, personal and physical return for Todd Reardon? Uh, for sure. So he's uh, he's doing extremely well. Uh, he started his rehab uh, process uh, now. He's down to one crutch. He's <laughs> and physically he's back. He's back in the office. So okay. he's he's working uh, with our players in the office now and on the practice days this week. And uh, and and so th I, I think that's an important step for us. You know, he does so much for our team and our coaching staff. And our players, for that matter, in, in keeping our team ready. Uh, in, in, in the time bef since he's been away, uh, the last game or two, he has been coaching the power play from afar. We, we've recorded his power play meetings. He's prepared them uh, at home when he's, uh, when he's had his leg up. And, uh, but but we, we play the recording for the players. Uh, I said to the guys, it reminds me of that movie, uh, you know, Oh God, with George Burns, when, when you get that voice uh, coming, coming into the room. And, uh, of course, they're a lot younger. They don't, they, they don't remember that movie as, as much as my generation does. But, uh, but anyway, he's, uh, we, we had some laughs over that. But, but he's recorded the power play meetings, uh, and he's just done a terrific job from afar. So he'll get more and more involved here moving forward, and, and it won't be too long before he'll be back behind the bench. All right, well, that would be good to see. And uh, while we're on the coaching, conversation i did want to ask you about one of your former players uh, marty st louis recently named the head coach of the montreal canadians and i know some people were kind of surprised because he had never been in coaching at least at the nhl level uh prior to that some development work but never behind a bench uh you had the opportunity to coach him and there's always this conversation of did you see coaching in a certain guy's future so now that i have you right in front of me and marty st louis was just named a head coach of the montreal canadians and you had him as a player with the new york rangers did you see head coaching in marty st louis's future uh, for sure, I, I, I saw head coaching if that was something that he wanted to do. You know, Marty was a, was a pleasure to coach. Uh, he was very much engaged in the learning process in, in every sense of the word. He, uh, he watched film. He loved to watch film. Every day after a game, the next morning, he would come into my office. He'd, he'd knock on the door. He'd walk in. He'd sit down and put his feet up on my desk, and he'd say, what did you see? You know, and because and, uh, he had watched his shifts and he had watched uh, the game when he went home. And, and him and I used to have uh, conversations the, the morning after uh, for what seemed like, you know, for hours. Uh, and and that's, the, that's the type of player that he was. He was, he was invested. 
Yeah. He, he was invested in, in learning about the game, his own personal game, but also the team. Doesn't surprise me one bit that he got into coaching. Well, we wish him best of luck behind the Canadians bench, except, of course, when he faces the Penguins, which won't happen again this regular season as the teams have played their regular season series. But not the case with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes. You guys will wrap up your regular season series with the Lightning. Speaking of Marty St. Louis, uh, his number hangs in the rafters at Amelie Arena. You guys will be there on Thursday night. Then you go to Raleigh for the first time in two-plus years to take on the Hurricanes on Friday. On paper, this is a massive back-to-back as far as the teams you're playing. But uh, how much do you guys kind of embrace the opportunity here? I mean, we talk about you're getting into March. You want the mindset to transition more to that playoff mentality. Well, seemingly going against two of the top teams in the NHL would probably do that for you guys. For sure it does. I, I, I think our guys are real excited about the, about the challenge. These are two of the better teams in the league. Uh they're not easy buildings to go into. They're not easy buildings to win in. Yep. Uh, so it'll be a big test for us. And, and I think our guys are excited about it. They, you know, the, these are the types of games uh, that, you'll, that you really look forward to because you know you're going to have to be at your best to have success. Uh, and, and you've got to make sure you're ready from the drop of the puck. So uh, the, these, are, these are exciting games. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, to, go, to getting to Tampa and, and, and playing one of the better teams in the league. We can talk about Carolina when we get there. Because, as you know, I'm, I'm more concerned about that one game in front of us. Uh, but, but obviously uh, this trip coming up is, uh, is going to be an exciting one. We're playing two of the better teams in the league. Yeah, we look forward to that game in front of the Penguins, which will be tomorrow night in Tampa Bay at Amelie Arena. You can join us for our coverage at 6 p.m. Puck drops at 7 for the Pens and the Lightning, the third of three this regular season. Coach, we wish you best of luck against the Bolts and beyond, and we'll talk again in mid-March. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me today. All right, that is Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan. We want to thank him and our executive producer, Wayne Gretzky-Anderson, and all the men and women out there listening to the Penguins Radio Network tonight for lending us your ears. I'm Josh Getzoff. This has been the Highmark Coaches Show, and we'll talk to you soon.